0: MHV Voice, connecting people and sharing ideas. Hi, I'm Mel Brooks, and welcome to our second MHV Voice podcast. We began these podcasts to enable the sharing of innovative ideas and creating a platform for discussion, and today is no exception. We're discussing how Wagyu breeding can be incorporated into the dairy AI cycle and also support Cash Law on Farm. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Within dairy farming, we see farmers making changes to their systems. Some are bigger than others as they look to optimise their production, balanced with the social and environmentally sustainable operations. So, animal welfare is always paramount when we're dairy farming, and bobby calves have historically had a reasonably short life. And with the mindset of doing things better, there's a real curiosity and an opportunity here for us to be looking at things differently. And so, We're very lucky today to have Richard Andrews joining us. Um, He's a born and bred dairy farmer, had 32 years um, in the industry. We won't hold it against him that that was in the North Island before moving down here in 2000. Um, They sold their dairy farm in 2007 and have been working within the industry since. Um, Richard, welcome along today.
1: Thanks, Mel. Appreciate the invite.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Um, So do you want to start off telling us a little bit about your role with Carfields?
1: Yeah, predominantly when I started, I started off in the livestock um, side on the dairy side of the business, predominantly um, as the South Island Dairy Coordinator. Um, But from there, with changes in the industry and the evolution of different options and things, I got involved with the Wagyu breeding program through a client of mine. Um, that just so happened to be my dairy grazier a number of years back when I first moved to Canterbury, and um, through them I got into the Wagyu breeding program. And for Carfields, I am managing the on-the-ground um, source opportunities for the farmers in particular. We've tried to develop a whole program that is a full full supply chain. So rather than having like industry systems at the moment you rear a calf and you try and find someone to buy it or source a contract for a freezing bull to the north island etc we put a straw in a cow down here once we've sourced the farmer with the right breed of a herd Um, it has to be an f12 to f16 breed herd because we want predominantly bigger frame more robust and a more compact breeding type of animal as as a black wagyu on the ground as a calf We, we supply a straw we have had bulls, but it's 98% probably straws. We supply straws at a cost to the farmer. And from that calf, once it hits the ground, then the cash flow starts for anybody that wants to uh, buy into the system.
0: With the straws, are, yeah. is they, are they more expensive than what a, no. um, a, another straw, like a freshener straw, might be?
1: So we're priced in the same price as the market for Look, all 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 beef breeds and even alternative uh, other wagyu companies. Uh, we probably started this about four years ago seriously. Um, so we've got our first 2020 born animals. That was born on the ground spring 2020 animals. They'll be in herd homes now and getting which we don't have aren't part of, but they'll be in herd homes now going through to the the end of the supply chain. So so yeah, look, we have to price it. at a a point where it's um, value added to the farmer, and from that point, the plus that I really see out of it, um, even just to the five to 10 day old price, is that the the Wagyu cross heifer is the same value as the Wagyu cross bull, um, which will be turned into a steer, and historically in any, any bull or breeding calf program, people want bulls, they don't want heifers.
0: So, as far as the cost between a straw of a, a beefy compared to the straw yeah. of a, a dairy cow, so for example, a, a Frisian, is there a difference in cost there?
1: Yeah, look, if you if you're comparing a beef straw to a to a dairy replacement heifer straw, so if you want to breed Frisian heifer replacements, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a significant difference. Um, look, so for
0: could... the, yeah, so for the farmers, they're going to see it, it'll cost them more for their AI up front. But presumably, yeah. there's actually a revenue stream that's associated with that when yeah. the calf hits the ground.
1: Yeah, the the, the waggy straw is actually probably cheaper than um, cheaper than a um, dairy heifer replacement straw. Straw depending on what you're picking, whether you're going uh, okay. bull of the day or nominated semen, it's certainly a lot cheaper than nominated semen. Um, so there's no real great. Um, increase in cost or extra cost in the straw value from the beef side for the Wagyu side of things. Where it comes in, you'll get your dairy farmers will normally do their four weeks or four and a half to five weeks of AI um, from their better cows, their earlier calving cows. They yeah. might do a handful of cows within that period of time that just aren't up to it. So they may put a Wagyu in those and get a few earlier ones, but then normally you tend to get the Wagyu that come in that sort of in Canterbury mid-September th- mating onwards and um, out of your later carving cows, and, and it just adds that cash flow. And that tends to be um, where, the, where the bulk of the bobbies come, sort of 40-odd percent of the calves at calving time in the first four weeks or so are dairy heifers. Uh, the mm-hmm. rest of them go on the bobby truck, but everything after that, if it's not a beef breed that can be put into some form of a supply chain, To an end product um they go on the bobby truck and i suppose that's what we're trying to develop this program to to avoid
0: yeah so tell us tell us a little bit about the um the the supply chain side of things so for farmers who who put a wago straw across their cow what happens the calf hits the ground talk me through what happens from there
1: Yeah, so we've basically got the bases covered from start to finish. The straw goes to, we contract the straw into the cow. Uh, When the calf hits the ground, between five and 10 days old, either um, a Carfields agent will go in there and tag the calf or select the calf just to make sure it meets the criteria around being a minimum weight, uh, the right colour, which has to be black, has to be minimum of 30, 32 kgs. Uh, We put a um, visual ID tag in its ear uh, we record that against the neck tag that comes off the farm. And then it is either red. We've got a couple of choices. That breeder can rear it on farm and he can rear it to 100 kgs. So when it hits the ground at five days old and we tag it, he'll get paid $180 for it. And then if he rears it through to 100 kgs, he'll get another $400 for it. So
0: 580 so, in total.
1: Yeah. So, so if you're a breeder rearer, if you're a breeder rearer and take it from straw to 100 kgs, You'll get five hundred and eighty dollars, and if you're just a solely breeder, and we put it on a truck and send it to a rearer that we find, we find the rearers, and we send it to the rearer. The rearer will, will has to rear it, and they'll get paid four hundred dollars for rearing it. When it comes out of either of those options, the breeder rearer or the straight rearer, then we find grazing for it, and it, for on behalf of NZ Wagyu, we find graziers, and that can be anywhere in New Zealand.
0: One of the one of the criteria is around the colour, um, yep. and that they needed to be black. I mean, yep. from your experience to date, how many of the calves that are coming through don't meet that criteria, or actually the broader criteria as a whole?
1: Two years ago, it was probably probably 20%, um, right. something like that, because when we were trying to get the program off the ground and into farms, we selected herds or we used herds that were less region. The requirement for... The colour is around an F twelve to F sixteen cow, and that requirement is solely there for the end product requirement, which it has to be a has to be a Wagyu animal at eight or nine hundred kgs when it goes um, produced, it has to have pure white marbling in it. It has to have white marbling. It can't right. have any forming. So as soon as you come down in your breed in your breed standard from F twelve to F ten left to a crossbreed, a straight black animal. You're running the risk of getting too much yellow fat in that calf as a mature animal. That's why we're pretty stringent. And like in the last year and a half, two years, we've been able to be a bit more stringent with more people coming on board, and say, righto, I will give you, as I signed up today, a thousand straws to a client. Um, <clears throat> he'll put them in about six hundred cows, six to seven hundred cows, and he will only put them in cows that by eye or on paper are, are black and white, like a straight Holstein-Friesian, like a Holstein-Friesian cross, and F12 to F16. And, and out so of that... that get,
0: yeah, so that yeah. means that that 20% that you had initially um, yeah. of, of the animals that didn't meet that criteria, given that you now have that F12 to F16 um, requirement, have you seen that reduced down from the 20%? Yeah.
1: It'd be under 10%, but once we get into your more black and white cows, your bigger Holstein Frisians, you don't have a hell of a lot of rejection rate. The ma- major criteria, because it's a number of years before these things get through to an end product, yeah. so you might be waiting three and a half, four years before you find out that this animal's got yellow fat in it and it's no use to them.
0: Yeah, so, you're, yeah you're stuffed. So, yeah, so with so, those... With those animals that are of the um, that don't meet the colour threshold, so they're not that black colour, is there any obligation on the farmer of what they have to do with that animal?
1: Um, no, there is no obligation on them. They can they can rear it and do what they like with it to a degree. We are looking at other options. and um, you know, I say only looking um, at the moment. It came up in a conversation this week with New Zealand Wagyu. Uh, we are looking at options to say anything that doesn't mit- meet our criteria. Um, have we got the ability to match that into some other um, supply chain or production line of some yeah. other company doing something similar? And so,
0: so when a so when a farmer does um, put, say, for example, the the farmer that you were talking about recently, where they've put yeah. uh, that you've given them a thousand straws, or they've purchased a yeah. thousand straws. So, if they get um, if they get six hundred animals out the other side of that, six hundred calves. Yeah. Is there a guarantee that they will get taken as part of the program if they meet the criteria?
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Every calf, every calf that meets the criteria is paid out. So there's a contract to breed them, there's a contract to take them at five to ten days old at a price, there's a contract to rear them at a price, and then there's a, then we move them on to grazing. So if if farmer farmer Brown, for argument's sake, has 150 calves hit the ground, um, and over the next five weeks, we will take them away if they meet that criteria and pay him $180 a calf. And that's that's the difference, I suppose, we've got between, I suppose, the historic that I always farm with and everyone else battles with, whereas you, you your byproduct of your dairy heifer to get your cow and calf is a beef beef animal, a Frisian bull yeah. or a crossbreed bull or a Jersey cross bull, which is an even tougher. Um,
0: yeah.
1: and And... If you put Hereford across, or something like that, or Murray Gray or tail which are pretty popular along with the Herefords. People only really want the bulls, so they don't want the heifers, so that creates yeah. a problem. And the really bonus, the big bonus about the Wagyu thing is that the Wagyu cross heifer calf and the Wagyu cross heifer bull are worth the same value at the end of the day, they're both worth $180 at five days old. So, so, so I mean,
0: this, I mean, it sounds, it, it sounds um. Not too good to be true, but, um, you know, are there any downsides? What What are the negatives that you've experienced as you've been rolling out this program?
1: Uh, I suppose that suppose the learning curves out of it are the abilities to select the right cow. We did end up with a bit of progeny when we were using a lot of bulls that weren't the right colour and, and trained, but that was just early days getting into the system and that's what um, NZ Wagyu were running with. The genetics out of straws is is a lot more superior, and the genetic gains and improvements are faster from straws. I've, I've, I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of people out there that want to rear calves, but I think the biggest thing we've learned over the last four years in particular is our preference is probably to have breeder rarers on farm. We want to avoid carting these calves around the countryside unless we really have to, hence the reason that Breeding contracts, say five to ten day old exit from farms, not not four to five days. It, it just gives them an alternative. It's, it's, it's a cash flow thing too. It, it it's hard to produce anything or supply anything for 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 a dairy farmer and beef farmer because we have to have to operate with both. Because a lot of our graziers are beef beef operators that are looking for an alternative rather than massive cash capital outlays on beef cattle. Mm. Um. Um, they just graze them at a weight gain kgs of weight gain per week, so many dollars per kg weight gain a week. and um and the good thing is we've got the straw, five day old market, we've got the hundred kg market and then we've got the grazing market and and yeah. so there's there's a sequence all the way through. so the farmers can have uh, confidence that they um the animals just going to move through those stages, and then once it gets to, Either a four forty kg target weight for the herd home, or a five twenty kg target weight, depends on what NZ Wagyu's markets determine. Then it goes into herd homes, and they're finished. And that after that point, it's out of our off 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 our box, out of our hands.
0: Supply and demand. Whenever um, any of our farmers are looking. At, um, at, at different options moving forward, it's really important to understand the, the full cycle. And yeah. so when we think about that demand moving forward, I mean, obviously, you guys are looking to to grow the programme. What does the demand look like?
1: Their demand is massive. They're like, right. like we're, we're just, as Carfields, we're looking to put out 20,000 straws this spring. Um, NZ Wagyu and Combination will be putting out similar, if not more. Um, they could do with 50,000 they could easily handle, market-wise, and I don't know where their markets exactly are, but um, market-wise, they could handle 50,000 carcasses a year from next year onwards. Right. Um, um, so they're talking they're talking eventually having north of 100,000 cattle on the ground at varying ages within within three years. So we're in that middle ground at the moment where no one's really got a lot of confidence around what, uh, for argument's sake, what Fonterra are going to decide. <clears throat> what what varying government decisions are gonna be around the Bobby side of thing and um animal welfare decisions around Bobbies, um, whether that takes a year to come in, two years to come in or or whatever. Um farmers are sort of just waiting to find out what happens there. Um
0: in, in, in saying that, I know that there's a lot of farmers who have changed their practices around bobbies in, in recent years. Like animal welfare is is really front of mind for them. And so this this to me feels like an evolution of that um as people go, right, well what are our other options?
1: Yeah, and then that's exactly right. Look I've got I have got a couple of clients that use sex semen um and um they were doing it before we started with the Wagyu, but um they use sex semen, that means they um have less wastage, I suppose, on the ground, no no bull yeah. calves. Instead of putting three hundred and fifty cows to um to AI and, and, and getting forty percent heifers, they can just get their hundred and fifty heifers out using sex semen, and then that gives them the rest of the herd to put into wagyu. And it doesn't yeah. matter. If they're a Frisian herd, if they put uh, Wagyu across them, it doesn't matter whether it's a heifer or um, or a bull. We want it. We want that animal if it meets the criteria. So um, I suppose the program we're running is probably it is breed specific. So there's a there's a lot of opportunity. Um, a lot of lot of farmers out there that haven't got the opportunity to use what we're offering. Um, but in saying that, there are other Breeding options out there that they can use for a more crossbreed or Jersey cross herd. Um,
0: Indeed, um, I'm quite keen to kind of come back to some of the the financial piece, if if I may. So we've talked yep. about the the end cost. Is the straw when when you're purchasing the straw at the, at the outset? Is there a set cost for that, or does that depend on the number of straws that are purchased at the time? No,
1: no. look like they've, they've basically got a sixteen dollar. It's it's sixteen dollars a straw, um, mm. whether it's one or one hundred or one thousand. And for every calf you get, cow you get, in calf that meets the requirements, you'll get paid one hundred and eighty dollars for that calf at the, at the
0: five days. So, yeah. are there any other animal health implications that you've you've come across as you've been um, developing the program?
1: No, these animals they're pretty robust. They the one thing New Zealand Wagyu have got is a hell of a robust um, animal health plan, which is run through vet life clinics. There's a animal health plan in place right the way through. There's nothing there's nothing we've found different between them them and a crossbred calf or a Frisian calf or anything. Four years or four and a half years ago there was a lot of stories going around about how tough they were to rear, but that was from other breeds of Wagyu um, mm-hmm. that were probably more mixed breed animals than Frisian dams that we produce from. As long as you get in and give them high quality colostrum in the first 12 to 24 hours, that's the secret. As long as they get their high quality colostrum that's been BRICS tested and um, into the calf from the start, you're good to go. And we we go out when we select it, we give them a multi-min injection just to boost them along. The vets reckon that's just the way to go. And then from then right. on, all the vaccinations and everything are done. Um they're probably the most petted and pampered animal health-wise calves that I've ever come across, to be honest. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah. so as, so as far as vet bills, um someone getting involved in the program shouldn't expect any increase in no. their in their veterinary costs.
1: No, look at the end of the day, the program operates that the vet there's no cost to the breeder or rearer or grazier, right? Um, for animal health, um, the breeder, rearer, and grazier only only do their job as they go through all vaccinations, all multi-min jabs, and drenches are on it, paid for by the stock owner, which is NZ Wagyu. So, but i sorry, I should clarify that the breeder has no animal health costs. He just has to produce the calf and it gets a multi-min. If he mm-hmm. rears it to 100 kgs, all the vaccinations, dehorning, debudding, castrating, is done by NZ Wagyu and paid for by them. But if a calf prior to weaning needs a worm, wrench, etc., that is the cost of the rearer. That's about the only cost they'll have. And then when they go to grazing, all the animal health is paid for by the stock owner as well. The grazier doesn't have the animal health bill. They just get paid solely for feeding them. And they just have to, the grazier has to weigh them monthly to get paid because the way of the payment or grazing is paid on kgs of weight gain. Right. And and they have to administer the animal health that's supplied to them free by um, NZ Wagyu.
0: And so the, um, the, the stock owner or NZ Wagyu becomes the yep. stock owner yep. at that five to ten days.
1: Uh, it just gets, yeah, look at that animal, as soon as we tag it, it's just registered through NATE straight away on the on, on, on the farm that it's bred from. Whoever the farmer is that breeds them, put a NATE registered tag into their ear from his property, that tracks the rest of its life. So from the time the straw goes in the cow ends it you own the animal and they can't uh, sell it to anybody else. You can't sell your herd without uh, producing the progeny. So, if you sell your herd to somebody else, you need to make them aware of that.
0: So, with the animals that at that five to ten day mark that don't meet the requirements, yeah, do you have to buy them back off NZ Wagyu?
1: No, no, no. if if they don't meet our requirements of thirty two kgs minimum, if they are sick, if they're the wrong colour, if they're if they're tan-coloured, they become yeah. a bobby, and that's that that's just the percentage risk, I suppose. Um, that, the, that the dairy farmer breeder takes. So
0: Yeah, but the comp- they don't have to buy that. If they decide no. that they're going to try and make no. that animal healthier, or they're going to keep it or rear it themselves, they no. don't have to buy it back.
1: No, no. We are looking at other options around other companies that may want to take those sort of animals off our hands, but we're not quite sure how that works and what that little framework will look like at the moment. But that's a probably bigger decision for NZWG to decide in the end.
0: So at the moment they go on the bobby truck and NZ Wagyu pay for that.
1: Oh, they just—it's a loss to them. There's no cost.
0: You've got a number of farmers who have been um, doing this for a few years now. What's what's the feedback that you're getting?
1: Most of the people that've been in the program for a couple of years are pretty happy. And look, there's no way two ways about it. We've had we have had a few hiccups. Um, this winter has been pretty damn tough on us, and it's sort of started from we had a pretty tough um, February, February, March. So on the grazing side of things, that was pretty tough. Winter has just uh, been diabolical across New Zealand, so wet. But we've found that all classes of stock have suffered on the grazing side of things. Um, They sort of struggled to put on weight and do that sort of thing. So it's been really tough ask for farmers, particularly um, South Canterbury, North Otago. It's just been so wet, but that's a bit of one out of the box. But so we've been very, aware of that and we just as a last week because of that we had a price increase around the grazing um to sort of uh reflect those few issues so we sort of monitor that sort of thing pretty well um we've probably had a few in the early days that dropped out of the system on the breeding side because what we discussed earlier their herds weren't quite um um enough um so we were getting too high a rejection rate um and that probably um, did upset a few of them, but um, at the end of the day, without the right end product, this whole program falls over. so we've got to be pretty yeah, careful. Absolutely. There.
0: Um, well Richard, thank you so much for your time today. really appreciate it. It's, um, no. it's been it's been really interesting.
1: No, thanks, Mel. appreciate the being asked and I hope it all makes sense. There's a lot of uh, lot of information going around at the moment and it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of water to flow under the bridge and there's a there's a big number of animals to be bred and reared and grazed to come forward in the next couple of years so we'll see what it looks like